This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Today's episode is called Clean Up Your Stinking Thinking So You Can Stretch Further and Achieve More. As always, I'll kick off today's episode with a story. Last week, I attended a yoga class, my first time ever doing yoga. I worked muscles and tendons that hadn't stretched since the Reagan administration. Some of those muscles protested mildly. Others screamed, you've got to be kidding me. Our instructor, Jessica, asked us to bend at the waist and touch the ground. She spotted me in my Neanderthal pose, curved back, arms hanging down a foot from the floor. And then she gently said, if this is a challenge for anyone, you can use the blocks. The blocks are big bricks of foam that the yoga challenge used to elevate the floor. I slipped a block under each hand and resumed my Neanderthal pose, this time with my fingers hanging just eight inches from the foam floor. The guy on the mat next, uh, next to me, he whispered, you can turn the blocks on their end to make them taller. Well, that did the trick. I flipped the foam, extended my torso, let gravity go to work and reached those blocks with the tippy tops of my fingertips just barely. Waves of self-satisfaction washed over me, but then I glanced around the room and saw that most everyone else in the class had their palms planted firmly on their mats. Ugh, I am a yoga loser, I thought. But then I took a deep breath and thought, it's not a competition, and that made me feel better. So it goes in yoga, and so it goes in writing and storytelling. When I coach clients, they study examples I share. They look around the room and see accomplished storytellers with palms planted firmly on the mat, and they think, I can't do that. I don't have the gift. My response, it's not a competition. Focus on yourself. Focus on where you are today. Stretch and go a little further tomorrow. They call yoga a practice. The more you practice, the better you get. The further you will stretch the more you'll accomplish. Writing and storytelling are practices too. Learn the moves and practice every day. Just write whatever you want. Don't overthink it. Don't get caught up in those stories you tell yourself. Don't tell yourself you don't measure up. Don't tell yourself you don't have what it takes. As the title of today's episode suggests, Clean up your stinking thinking so you can stretch further and achieve more. If you do that before you know it, 
you'll plant those those palms firmly on the mat and you'll achieve more than you ever imagined. Which leads me to today's guest, Cheryl C. Jones, helps business people rewrite the stories they tell themselves so they can stretch further and achieve more. That thing about stinking thinking, I got that line from Cheryl. She is an intuitive business coach and an emotional mastery expert who believes that for you or your business, you must first develop the emotional intelligence. She uses a unique approach to her coaching that helps her clients reach their potential. Through combining intuition, emotional mastery, and clearing the false stories, Cheryl's clients write new self-empowering stories that support them in achieving their goals. Cheryl spent the first 10 years of her professional life in hospitality management before starting her own consulting and training company. And since that time, she has worked with notable organizations such as the San Antonio Spurs, U.S. Army, and Wells Fargo Bank. She has authored two books, Emotional Self-Mastery, the best book on regaining personal power, and Self-Confidence and Peace and the book's 90-day companion journal. She also travels the country speaking to audiences on how they can reclaim their personal power and achieve their dreams. Her books teach you how to clean up your stinking thinking so you can master not only your life, excuse me, not only your emotions, but your life. So Cheryl, welcome to the Story Power podcast. Thanks so much. It's great to be here with you, Tom. Happy to have you here. So stinking thinking. Oh, there yeah. I was in the yoga studio, uh, taking a great first step to improve. Absolutely. And I stretched and I reached those blocks. And then I looked around the room and I saw the others with their palms planted on the mats. And I thought I'm a loser. I'm not cut out for this. Now that is stinking thinking. So it's talk true. to me, Cher. I'll help me here. <laughs> Let's clean up your stinking thinking, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Absolutely. But I have to admit, I've been there too, where I'm like, I used to be able to touch the floor. What happened? <laughs> You know, well, at least I think I used to be able to touch the floor where it wasn't my imagination. Exactly. I think, you know, the blocks, like you said in, in the opening, are are your practice or are, are the way to develop greater flexibility. And without those, you're just hanging there. And that's a real strain on your body. But mm. when you, you know, implement the blocks, then it kind of relieves a little bit of, of that strain and pressure. And so when it comes to storytelling or story writing, you know, having a good prompt is always is a, a good thing. Unfortunately, though, we have stories that we carry around in our heads all the time that we operate out of. And those stories become our uh, our mantra, if you will, which is really right. sad because you would, the, uh, they're usually negative. We're not carrying around the ones. Yeah. Remember the time I, you know, won the, the swimming contest or, you know, whatever it might be when I was a kid and I was chosen first place for, for whatever, you know, and we don't run those real positive stories. Uh, we instead run the ones that are negative. The ones that say, don't let your, don't let your light shine. Don't, uh, don't show up big. Don't be who you really are. Pretend to be someone else. And, yeah, and, and why is that, Cheryl? Why do those negative stories fill our brains more than the positive stories? And how do, how do you get past that? 
Yeah. So the negative ones tend to have an emotional charge to them. And so do the positive ones. But the, the challenge with the negative ones is the emotional charge is so strong that it usually re reaffirms a belief we already have about ourselves. So if I can share a, an example from my own life, it's, and it's in the book, so it's not, I'm, I'm being open and transparent, but, uh, you know, also kind of a little, little, little uh, vulnerable, if you will. So the, the day I was born, I didn't know it, but I thought I'd been abandoned. Oh, I know. And that's before we have language or anything. Well, how I came to that conclusion was not that I had a memory of it at all. It was like my, I kept having failed relationships. I'd hang on to, to people who really weren't healthy to be hanging around with, and they were influencing me badly. Or you know, um, or I would be in relationships that just weren't healthy and that were negative and would drag me down. And 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 I'd put myself in scenarios where I didn't think I was worthy, or or I wasn't you know I wasn't being being treated with value. And so after a number of years, I was probably in my early 20s, I went to get some help. I had, I had done all these different trainings to figure out what was wrong with me. Why couldn't I get on the path to success, right? And so I went to this woman and, and she was a, a therapist and she did regression therapy. And so I wasn't hypnotized or anything like that, but I was awake the whole time. And each time she just guided me to a previous event, a previous event where I had these feelings. And what it took me back to was a vision of being in the nursery in a bassinet, looking <laughs> up at the, the tiles and the ceiling and the fluorescent lights and mm -hmm. thinking I was left. Nobody was mm -hmm. coming for me. I didn't hear any sounds that were familiar, but I could see it as vividly as if I was right there. Well, what I didn't know was that there was some truth to that story. I went and asked my mom, I said, you know, were there some circumstances where I was left in the nursery for a long time? And, and she said, you know, I've never told you about that. And I'm like, no, you haven't ever told me about that. What happened? She said, well, when you were born, my tailbone was broken. So I couldn't sit up and nurse you. And she said, I also had some kind of infection and they didn't know what it was and they didn't know if it was communicable so they left they kept you in the nursery and fed you there and took care of you there and i'm like ah no mama for no mama no familiar right. sounds no familiar voices no cuddling you know well maybe maybe some hopefully some cuddling um but the thing is is that set me up for a belief a false belief a false story that of two things one is abandonment and the second one is not a value yeah. um so and how did that story how did that story manifest in in your work life or, or your personal life. Oh, and, and, and yeah. So I've go got ahead. clear examples in, in both areas. And for my work life, I would get clients that were, well, some of them, I've been in business for over 30 years now uh, as mm -hmm. an entrepreneur. And, and I would have clients that were often ugly, um, would ask, you know, there would be a lot of scope creep in the project after the project was defined. Oh yeah, but we need you to do this. And, but we're not going to pay you for that, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and um, once I, I, once I had somebody yell at me, that was just 
and threatened me. And I'm like, holy cow, I was taken aback, you know, and that was in recent years. So even though I cleared that stuff, it was lingering and probably putting out a vibe that said, you can do this to me. It's okay. And as like, oh, no, 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 that's not going to work. That is not what I want in my life. So it was, so I was, unfortunately I was attracting, I was putting out a vibe that said, you know, this person can be taken advantage of or um, mistreated and it'd be okay. Not really. I certainly not okay. And, but I was putting out that vibe. And so I was attracting those kinds of clients and it just was awful, you know, in, in terms of that, in terms of relationships, I'm, you know, I, I dated some people that were, you know, not so great and mm-hmm. we won't mention any names or anything like that, but hopefully they grew into better people. <laughs> yeah. And, and when those things are happening to you, whether consciously or not, mm-hmm. I suspect that you're telling yourself, I deserve this. I, I don't deserve better. That's part of the story that you were probably telling yourself. Yes. And it's, and it's in, it's not necessarily in your conscious mind, you know, it's more in this subtle, um, oh, well, I probably deserve that. You know, it's not like you even say it to yourself, but it's like, oh yeah, I kind of expected that would happen. And what's so interesting is that the, the subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between truth and fiction, whatever you tell it, it will believe, you know, it thinks it's, it's real, you know, the sky's purple. So, okay. The sky is one color of purple. The, the thing is, is that we have to make sure we're putting good information in there. And if we are, if we're reliving stories of negativity and bad experiences, then we're going to keep putting that kind of stuff in there, which kind of brings that vibe up and allows people that are of the same vibe to attract. So what's important is to try to get to a higher level of emotional uh, frequency because there's a scale and that scale on the bottom of it is shame. And on the top of it is joy and love, passion, you know, and Mm -hmm. then there's this middle point that's just below contentment. And a lot of people live in that worried, blaming, um, fearful level, the below the line. And, yeah. and, and when we're and that means you attract more of that kind of stuff to you. But when you live above the line in the, in the emotions with the higher frequencies, you also attract the good stuff to you, the same thing that's going to be a, a similar, a similar vibration. So when I got that stuff kind of cleaned up, I started attracting wonderful clients that pay on time and, you know, and I get these really cool projects, like getting to talk to you and just all kinds of cool stuff shows up, you know, when, when you're in alignment emotionally and, and with your thoughts, um, then all kinds of good stuff comes your way. You really, you really can achieve your goals. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And, and. I work with a lot of coaches and consultants and business leaders, and the work that I'm doing revolves around their marketing and their messaging, the conversations that they're having with prospects. And one of the really interesting phenomena that I see is that many of them are very, very good at what they do. And when they're doing that direct work with their clients, they're confident and they're skilled and they're putting those palms on the mat. But when it comes to talking about what they do and 
sharing their gift with prospects, they suffer from fear and from imposter syndrome and from a lack of belief in their, their skills. They're telling themselves a different story than their actual work is demonstrating when I, when I look at what they're able to do with their clients. So how to uh, explain that to me. And if some of those clients or prospects are listening, what are some tips that you can give them to capture that sense of confidence and skill that they, that they do have, but that they seem to lose when it, when they're out there talking about themselves or telling the stories that they need to tell to gain new clients. Yeah, I think that I think the, uh, the I, I've struggled that with struggled with that myself because I started out in doing one thing, working as a corporate trainer and and contract mm-hmm. trainer and doing training and development and speaking, and then have moved into coaching. I was coaching all along, but now I'm doing a different kind of coaching, mm-hmm. not doing training and development anymore for corporations. And so that was a big uh, juxtaposition. Uh, it seemed like it was all up here, um, but it's what we tell ourselves. So. For me, um, as a as a professional speaker, and I'm I'm a past president of the National Speakers Association in, in the Austin area, I had an image image of what I was supposed to look like and sound like and be like and blah 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 blah. It's a lot of blah blah blah. And the thing is, is that. I realized that I was looking for all the SEO words, right? And I got to find the right words to describe what I do, so resonate with people. And yeah, there's value in that. But if you were to ask me, and I'll tell you, so you don't have to ask me, if you were to ask me where my clients come from, where do my coaching clients come from, they are people that know, like, and trust me. I am, I mean, we have marketed like crazy out to the world, right? The universe kind of thing. And it's the people who hire me are not in Wisconsin or, you know, and I'm in Texas. So they're, they're people who have met me or seen me or, um, or our referral. And so, you know, it's like, we tell ourselves stories about how we're supposed to be. And then we write to that. And I've done it. I've made the same mistakes. And what I have found is that when I'm truly authentic, when I'm operating from a heart center, when I'm speaking from my heart and writing about either my failures or mistakes or my clients, and I always change their names, but, you know, then it becomes more real. And I get the best response when I'm talking, just as you told the story about yoga and your experience, but when I talk about my experiences and how different things come up for me emotionally or or trigger me. And those are some of the most powerful connections instead of trying to worry about all the right keywords and, you know, so forth. So that's, that's really reaffirming for me because that story I told it reflects vulnerability for me. Mm-hmm. I, I've done a lot of this work and I'd like to think that I have the emotional intelligence. And, and in fact, the story reflects that I was able to fairly quickly recover. I'm telling myself this story. I'm a yoga loser. And, but I was able to step back pretty quickly, take a deep breath and say, wait, 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 wait a minute, Tom, this is not a competition. You're not a loser. You actually just stretch further than you've ever stretched before. And tomorrow you'll stretch further. But part of it, 
part of that is in telling the story and in admitting to the world that even as someone who has done this work, I slip and I fall back into that negative storytelling before I catch my breath and recover. That is, that's me attempting to be honest and authentic. And I'm with you, Cheryl, that the way that's how you connect with your audience. And that's how you really, you, you have to stay true to yourself in order to really uh, look at those stories accurately. If you're constantly uh, making up these stories, both positive and negative, uh, you're always going to be sort of, you know, spinning your wheels. Right. Yeah. And that's the stinking thinking thing, right? Yeah, so exactly. It, yeah. and, it, and it creates an inner turmoil or a cognitive dissonance because it's like you say you want one thing, but then you're like, no, I can't have that. But I want this, but you can't have that. And, right. and it's so, so there's this back and forth struggle inside your head and nothing's, and so what happened, what do people do? They just sit there or they give up. And then of course that reinforces the negative stinking thinking and to, to have more stinking thinking. So it's kind of a, it, it's a sticky wicket as they say, I'm going to look that one up because I really don't know what a sticky wicket is. But. <laughs> But it's sticky, you know, you get yeah. stuck in that, that frame of thinking and, and you can't get out of it. And so, but when you start eliminating some of the stories or neutralizing them, then it's like cancel, cancel. That is not the truth. I really do have the tenacity to go after that if that's something I really want. Yeah. And, you know, that you have to decide. And so one of the techniques in my book, I talk about cancel, cancel. That's not the truth. So when you hear your, your, yourself talk, and it says, no, I can't, I'll never be able to do yoga. It's like, oh, cancel, cancel. That's not a true statement. What's true for me is that with practice, I'm going to become more limber. And eventually I will put my hands on the floor without the blocks. Right. And right. so you start reprogramming it. You don't just do an affirmation because the affirmations need to cancel or, you know, are great, but they really are like only part of the equation. You need the other half that cancels out the negative. And so, you know, it, it's so important to, to look and pay attention to what your thoughts are. That's where the emotional intelligence comes in because your thoughts are triggering a chemical reaction in your brain and then throughout your body that causes you to feel an emotion. And that emotion can be as strong or in any direction, right? As you allow the chemicals to release. But if you recognize the thought, you can change the thought, which means that you're interrupting the chemical process and you don't have to have the emotion. And, and the what emotion is what lodges it in our bodies so right. that, you know, that event gets stuck or that belief gets stuck in our bodies because of the intense emotions. Yeah. And what, what are some of the tips, tricks, techniques to help you recognize the story, to help you step back? Because it, for me, when I've gotten caught up in the, the negative storytelling, one of the challenges is that it is an emotional thing and, and rational, logical self-talk tends to 
get trumped by emotion. Um, I, I know that as a parent, that when your kid is in that emotional state, you could you could respond to them in as rational and logical a way as, as you possibly can, but they're not hearing it because they're all they're all emotional. Um, and it, it feels a little bit the same with those self-talk conversations when when you are telling yourself those stories and you are emotional, how do you how do you step back and say, wait a minute? Um, it, it, it sort of feels easier said than done sometimes. So what are some yeah. what are some tips that you can bring to the audience to help them get past that? I think one of the most important tips is if if it's if you've been triggered and you have this intense emotion, let it play out. I mean, uh, with mm -hmm. reason, right? Okay, because you're really not going to be able to shut down that chemical reaction with your mind, you know, and say, "Oh no, chemicals don't release." But right. <laughs> that's just not right. going to work. But the the thing is, is that uh, you know, if you recognize it in the moment, gosh, I'm really angry here, and I get triggered quite frequently by my children too. Oh wait, no, you said when the child gets triggered. No, I. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. No, to I, some degree. Right. I am telling the truth. Yeah, I can't even, yeah, yeah. even fake it here. But the, the thing is, is that let it, let it recognize what it is. Hold your tongue. If you're, you know, having that experience and just, you know, don't say things that are going to jeopardize your relationship with another person. Mm -hmm. And so let it play out and, and step away. I mean, we hear that quite often when things are intense, step away and then later come back and, and have a look at it. And then try to see another perspective. Maybe you misinterpret the, situ the situation or misunderstood what someone said yep. or didn't understand their motivations. If we understand that we are not the center of the universe, like yeah. we think we are, and that other people are the center of their universe and they think they are, then you know we go, oh, people have other reasons. They're usually not out to trigger us, usually. Yeah. I mean, there are some, but most people, when they do what they do that triggers us, they're not even thinking about us. We yep. think they are, but they're not. And if we can take a deep breath and go, wait a minute, there may be something else going on here and get a different perspective on it and look for other perspectives, other ways of interpreting the situation. That's probably the first best thing you can do. And yep. then really looked and then say, okay, what, why did that trigger me? Did it, how did it, what did it cause me to feel? Did it make me feel when that, that client yelled and screamed at me and threatened to fire me right then I was taken aback. And of course it was a huge trigger. And my response was, you know, I can quit right now too. I mean, I'm a contractor, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. So I had equal power. He was trying to power through that. And, and it was kind of like, that really wasn't my intention. But when I look back on it, I realized that he was feeling really out of control. Mm. His, his mode of operation with me in that moment was really not about me. Yep. And I had to look at that because I knew what was going on in the rest of his organization. I knew how frustrated he was. And when we can take the other person's perspective and look at it and see where they're coming from, that it's probably a feeling of loss, a loss of control, embarrassment, humiliation. Usually, I mean, loss of control is usually the biggest. Yeah. And if, you know, if we haven't really done anything to cause that, we need to look and see what are the other elements that are involved that may have triggered them kind of thing. And then the same for us. What I was felt like I was losing control in that moment and I didn't want that either. So, yeah, you know, 
Sorry, sorry. Go right um, ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> you said something really, really critical. You said, you know, look back, take, mm -hmm. you know, take a step back and look back. And and the idea here is that in that moment of emotional being being emotionally triggered and 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 the emotional height of that exchange, you're not going to suppress that chemical reaction, mm -hmm. but we're talking here about a practice back to this idea of practice and method and system of not just letting that pass, but once the chemicals have subsided, once that emotional fire has burned out, mm -hmm. being committed to the idea of, I am going to look back now because I am in a rational state and I can ask those questions that you were just framing up. You know, what was it that was, uh, what was it that was driving this person? What was motivating me? And if you commit to the practice of looking back and build that into your process, you'll then begin to recognize oh, okay, this is how I respond to this. This is why he behaved that way or she behaved that way. And, and so often when we have a, a difficult exchange, an emotional high uh, chemical right. reaction, yes. we, we want it to be done with and we walk away and try to forget it. Mm -hmm. But you said a really critical thing when you said, you know, take a look back, mm -hmm. think about it, look at it rationally. And I think that's a huge lesson for all of us who are listening to this, that because I think that what happens is the more that we do that consciously and habitually, the more we are able to do it later instinctively without even realizing we're doing it. Our, our mind kicks in. Yeah. So, um, well, and the other thing about that is when, so when that man yelled at me, it, mm -hmm. it reminded me of previous events where not, maybe I wasn't yelled at, but maybe I was made to feel small or unimportant or insignificant. And so if we don't take the time to look at it and unpack it, then what happens is it becomes a validation point. It's like, oh yeah, that belief I had was true. There it happened mm -hmm. again. And so mm -hmm. that happens throughout our lives where we see it over and over again and we, we attribute it, you know, oh yeah, then it validates a belief we hold. And the yep. way you've got to unpack it and reorganize it, if you will, clear it um, to make sure that it doesn't keep coming forward. I, I like to describe it like if you have a U-Haul, a, a and you carry a U-Haul with you all the time. It's all your past experiences. And they're all in boxes. And there's lots of boxes. There's, you know, floor to ceiling, side to side full. And the ones way back in the back are from your early years. And they're, they're those emotional traumas and those emotional experiences right. that were strong and, and seemed valuable and important at the time because they prob you probably thought you were in survival at the time. But the problem is, is they've started growing mold. So your boxes in the very back are those beliefs and that's the mold and the mold is now creeping forward and coming up and, and moving into all your other experiences and look and growing into your daily life today.
And yeah. so it's influencing how you interpret things, your experiences, your relationships. And it's also not only in influencing how you interpret it, it's influencing how you're living your life because you're living it with that, that presumption that that mold is going to be there. Like in, in my case, if I had, a, if I had continued to carry the belief of I deserve to be yelled at, then I would probably get yelled at more frequently. Like, you know, right. Yeah. Right. And, and I think for, for coaches and consultants, for solopreneurs, business leaders, one of the, one of the moldy boxes revolves around sales and the difficult sales conversation. Mm -hmm. Everybody has had that moment where they're sitting across the table from a person who, who is resistant, who doesn't want to hear from you, who is putting up roadblocks and it feels uncomfortable. And for many of my clients and prospects, sales feels kind of yucky and, and sleazy. And when we talk about the idea of, well, you have to meet prospects where they are, and that may involve talking to them about the struggles they're having or the fears that they have. I hear from a lot of my clients and prospects who say, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to talk about negative things because that's manipulative or that's sleazy. Oh. I respond mm -hmm. by saying, your service and product is a gift. Mm -hmm. And if you believe that, if you believe that what you are bringing to your prospects is a value to them, then the act of talking about uh, meeting them where they are, persuading them to act is persuading them to act in their best interest. Now, rationally, that makes sense, and they'll nod and they'll say yes, but what I've noticed happen is that that little phrase, if you believe that, if you believe that the product and service that you offer is a gift, then you are not manipulating, you are persuading prospects to act in their best interest. But that if now the story clicks in and they're saying, uh, yeah, but really is my product or service really a gift? I am I worthy? You know, now we're getting into that, that storytelling and that imposter syndrome. So that's where we have the coaches and consultants who truly are delivering a gift when they're one-on-one -on -one with their, their clients. And yet when it comes to sales, they get caught up in the story that, that says, I'm not sure I believe in myself or what I sell. And thus, the very fact that I'm selling is an act of manipulation. Help those people, because I know some of them are listening. Help those people overcome this idea that sales is sleazy, sales is manipulative, because they don't have truly a gift to give. Well, and that starts right at their beliefs and you just were right. all over that, right? In terms of what they thought about themselves and what they bring, you know, bring to their clients. If they're, if they're, I can see if they're brand new coaches and consultants that they, and didn't have, don't have a lot of past experience where they had some winning outcomes and help their clients get those, then I could see how they might have a lot of self-doubt. I think, you know, well, 
there's a couple of things they could do that come to mind, but that used to be my thing too. It felt real uncomfortable. And, and now I realize that it's funny because when I sit down with people to talk about all the challenges they're facing and where do they want to go, I get all excited because I can see possibility for them. And, and right. I'm excited when they, when they win, I'm like, text me, tell me, tell me how the interview went or tell me how such and such the outcome was. And, you know, and I get these glowing reports and there's only so much you can do a text on the way back to celebrate <laughs> with them. Um, and I think that the thing is, is you've got to start changing your own mindset to begin with. First of all, you know, there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of books on how to sell and getting to yes and all this other thing and things. And many of those do seem manipulative. Like, well, if you get all the little yeses, they're going to say yes in the end. Well, there may be some truth to that, but what, what I've learned in my years of business consulting with, with corporations and small and large is that very often if you're a good listener, you're selling. Yeah. And I mean, Amen. you know, I mean, I, I sold a rug in a rug store that I wasn't an employee at. <laughs> I mean, I just started talking to these people who came into this rug store right before it closed. I was there to do something else with their employees. And I started asking them questions about, well, what are the colors? What's the room? You know, being that be taking on that curious consultant persona, if you will, it really wasn't a persona. I really was curious. And I was like, well, you know, how big a rug do you want? Well, we don't really know. And we talked more before they left, they bought a rug. And, and yeah. yeah. It, I mean, so when you, when you're in this um, listening and asking questions mode, then you're in a much better state to say, and this is what I have to offer. And I can see some real potential here for you. I can see how if we cleared out these hurdles, that you would have a straight path to the goal that you'd like to create and mm -hmm. the dream that you'd like to achieve. And so, you know, this is this is how I do things in case, you know, you'd like to know, how, know and continue to work with me. How do you know, would you like to do that? And it, I know it's a yes or no question, but more often than not, they say yes. And so <laughs> I I think it's the, the upfront stuff. It's not about manipulation. It's not about trying to control them. It's not about shaming them into that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really about being there for them. And that's what a coach and a consultant is. That's their main job is, is to bring their expertise to that individual or organization uh, and share that expertise to help them move forward. So it yeah, is and definitely it, it, a gift. It, it, it goes back to what we were talking about before about authenticity, about being true to yourself, about being human. You know, we, we, when, when you are trying to find the words that, that are the SEO words or that sound like you're supposed to sound to sell yourself, then you, you know, consciously or subconsciously that you're not being authentic. And then that doubt creeps in. Right. But if you are making human connections that begin by listening, that begin with empathy, that begin by saying, I see you and I hear you, then you're building bonds that are reflective of the kind of work that you're going to do as a, a coach or a consultant. It feels authentic. It feels real. There's real value in that connection from the beginning. And now that self-doubt and that story, negative storytelling is not going to creep in. So that's really valuable advice. Thank you well, for that, Cher. 
Do you remember yeah. earlier we talked about, I was talking about vibes and the energy, the, the yeah. emotions have vibes and or frequencies, vibrations or frequencies. Something that coaches and consultants can do that will really help them and when it comes to the sales scenario is before they enter that scenario, take five minutes. Give, you know, don't don't wait till the last minute to do this because that person might show up early or whatever. But take five minutes and find a an event that's happened in your life where it created a really positive emotion. I call it activating a positive motion, emotion. Mm -hmm. And so when you get into that moment of remembering that event, that success, or for me, it's, it's um, one of my anniversary celebrations with my husband. And so I can just think about that whole evening and how much fun we had and how much joy we had and laughter and, oh my gosh, it was, it was so much fun. And, and, it, and I immediately feel my heart swell. I can feel that joy and that passion and that connection. And if you can hold on to that for a minute and a half, then it will linger with you. And yep. when you meet this person, they're going to pick up on that energy. You don't have to hold on to it very long. I said five minutes because you might need to think of the story, you know, or think of the event or find an event and just stay in it as long as you can. It's not just the story. It's the emotion of it, literally feeling it in your body. And then right. that will shift your vibration and you'll be more attractive to that potential client. Awesome advice. And and by the way, we're talking about a chemical reaction there too. <laughs> just, just the right kind of chemical reaction. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, let that chemical reaction wash all over you and and uh, and feed on that for your benefit and for the benefit of your prospect that you're going to be talking to. So Absolutely. that is that is great, great advice, Cheryl. How can people go deeper and make a connection with you if they want to learn more? and dive deeper into what we've been discussing today. How do they contact you and find you? Super easy. Um, well, multiple ways, but super easily. So my website is simplythebestresults.com. And on my coaching page, there's an opportunity for people to sign up for a free 30-minute um, conversation. That's all it is. There's no pressure. You know who I am now. There's no pressure. And um, I will probably ask you all kinds of questions about What's in your way? Where are you wanting to go? Um, you know, what do you think? How do you think I might be able to help you? And at the end of that, we will probably spend a minute or two clearing one of those beliefs that you're holding so that you can have the experience of what it's like to work with me. So that's the first way. The second way is that you can just email me or you can call me. I'm open to phone calls too. So uh, email is Cheryl, that's with a C, C-H-E-R-Y-L at simplythebestresults.com. And phone number is 210-545-2378. I'd love to visit with you. Terrific. How about social media? Are you active on social media? I know you are, but uh, I am. Do you want to connect? Do you want to connect with people on social media? Absolutely. Because I'm always, yeah. you know, writing blogs and offering stuff and encouragement. And so I'm in all honesty, I'm on LinkedIn more than I'm on Facebook. And um, and I would love to have an email rather than social media contact. I mean, so, let's connect there for sure. So we can stay in touch. But in all honesty, I want to connect with you as a person more so than through a third party. So perfect. Fair enough. Fair enough. Any parting thoughts, anything you feel you need to let this audience know before we call it a day? I, I just, I think the only thing I'd like to encourage them to think about is 
to really pay attention to what you say to yourself. It's so important that you you recognize the thinking, the stinking thinking. You don't have to know how to fix it. I know how to do that. And there's 12 ways in my book, if you pick up my book, Emotional Self-Mastery. So there's ways for you to start cleaning up your stinking thinking and just paying attention to it is going to start changing your life. And so I just encourage you to, to pay attention to it and don't believe everything you tell yourself. Most of it's not true. <laughs> there you go. Cheryl, I knew this would be a blast. Thank you so much for all of your great insight. I encourage everybody to go check out uh, Cheryl's website, take her up on that offer for a free consultation, find her books, email her, call her. Uh, it, it, uh, you will clean up your stinking thinking and be better for it. So thanks so much, Cheryl. Hope to Thank see you. you again down the road. Yes, sir. Take care, Tom. Thank you. This was great. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com slash resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails. Download free business building resources and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com slash resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. <laughs>